Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Global Geek News Podcast. This is episode number 33 of the Global Geek News Podcast, which you can find at globalgeeknews.com. And, of course, I, as always, I am your host, Jeremy Bray, alongside my co-host, Wesley Faulkner. How's it going, Wesley? Hey, Jeremy. It's uh, the beginning of a long week. You ever, ever feel like you get through a Tuesday and you feel that you've already gone through a whole week and it's only been two days? Yeah, I kind of had that feeling last week, and I don't know why, but this week I'm just slammed with stuff to do for the most part. I mean, we've got new garage doors and stuff up today, yet this week seems to be flying by. Oh, I feel the total opposite, like it's dragging along and I'm being dragged behind it. (laughs) Yeah, last week it was Tuesday and it felt like it should have been Friday, but this week it seems to be flying by, but I don't know, I guess it's just I'm having a better week, even though I'm staying a whole lot more busy than I'd like to. Yeah, well, maybe we're alternating. Uh, apparently. I just don't want it again next week. Okay. Well, maybe it's just moving south. How about that? Yeah, we can hope. <laughs> but anyway, got lots of stories, but there's a couple of things I wanted to address real quick, mainly the Global Geek News blog. I have started that back up again, which you can find at globalgeeknews.com slash blog, or just go to globalgeeknews.com and hit blog. But while you're at globalgeeknews.com, make sure to check out our show notes. You'll find all the episodes there and all the show notes and everything, so you can listen and follow along and everything. And there's something else I wanted to address, but now I can't think of it. Anyway, we've got tons of stories, so that's what matters. Actually, we had way too many stories this week that we could have about done three shows, but I didn't figure that was a good idea. So, taking a little bit of a different approach with this show, and that I'm leaving out all of the big news. So, all the Microsoft Yahoo stuff, won't hear it here. All of the Sprint buying Virgin Mobile, won't find that here. Um, you won't even hear about, what is it, Eric Schmidt leaving Apple's board. Still won't find that here. All right. This week, we have a lot of stories that got a little bit of press, not a whole lot, but they're still really interesting stories, good to talk about, stuff that you just don't hear much of, which is kind of nice for a change, having a podcast that you're not hearing the exact same thing on as every other podcast. So, speaking of which, dive right into the first story with the Department of Defense eyeing a hacker convention, also known as DEF CON, out in Vegas, for new recruits. Yeah, specifically the U.S. Air Force has... uh has found a lot of that uh, they can get a lot of good recruits using just this conference. Yeah, and around this time in July, there's always two security conferences going on in Vegas. I can't remember the other one, which is the more white hat. Black uh, hat. No, DEFCON's the black hat. There's another security one before this that's the white hat uh, conference. This specifically speaking about is the DEF CON conference, all the black hat stuff, which is where we heard about the um, iPhone SMS vulnerability last week, and there's been some news stories about some uh, attacks on SSL encryption and a number of other things. Oh, yeah. There was even a a story that I found really funny that came out about this. Apparently there was somebody who decided to set up a fake ATM machine at DEF CON at one of the hotels at DEF CON. I guess they made sure it was out of security cameras view, so nobody's real sure exactly who did it, or at least not yet. 
they came in, put in a fake ATM machine so they could steal everybody's information, which, of course, it was kind of caught right away because all these hackers are used to seeing stuff like this. So now they have a convention full of hackers on their tails trying to find out who put in a fake ATM system. <laughs> well, does anybody know if anybody's identity actually got used that was taken from the machine? I don't know. I would assume somebody used it before it got there. I guess they don't know exactly. They know it was put there before the conference, but it doesn't sound like they're exactly sure how soon before the conference. So I would guess it's been used, but there's so many different hacks and stuff and fake ATM machines and stuff around there. I personally don't trust them, and I've never used an ATM machine just because of it. You know, there's tons of conferences that go around all around the country. Uh, there's CES that we were talking about earlier. Mm-hmm. Um, there's, of course, you know, South by Southwest, and um, there's all, like, TechCrunch 50. I would love to go to any one of those, but I would never, ever want to go to DEF CON. <laughs> yeah, actually, DEF CON's always been one of the ones I've actually wanted to go to. I don't know if they had it this year, and I don't think they had it last year, but they used to have the Wi-Fi shootout, where every year they'd go out into the desert and into the mountains or whatever and see just how far they could throw a Wi-Fi signal. Yeah, last, I remember those. Yeah, last I remember, I think the record was like 110 miles or so, somewhere right around there. Yeah, peak of a mountain to another peak of a mountain, if I remember correctly. Yeah, something like that, where they were in Nevada and they were shooting a Wi-Fi signal all the way into Utah. Yeah. Yeah, I just... I know I'm not as secure as they are about their systems and I know as soon as I walk in they're going to crack into my laptop get all my information and then post it on a giant screen somewhere yeah that that's kind of a case of you want to be running like a Linux live image the whole time or off of a live CD or something like that so nothing's getting put on the hard drive and you're not really risking your system at all yeah and you're not checking your bank records or anything while you're there right but yeah, I don't know how much fun stuff they do like the Wi-Fi shooter anymore. I know they used to have war driving competitions, which, speaking of which, um, did a post on the Global Geek News blog on Monday, yesterday, as of recording this, about my war driving experiences and the fact that I can never seem to find open Wi-Fi anymore because everybody's encrypting it, which just kind of goes along with this story. But back to the actual story itself, apparently, I guess they found 60 good candidates last year for enlisted and civilian positions for the Air Force, and I know like the FBI and NSA and stuff, I believe, hire out of this too, so I guess this is kind of almost becoming their main hiring ground just about for security people or people doing like cyber security and um, international espionage type stuff. So I guess if you're looking to get a job with the government or whatever and you want to be a hacker I guess this is where you want to go to be hired yeah it seems like uh, they're getting some good recruits that they wouldn't um, have the opportunity of meeting any other way other than these conferences yeah I don't know kind of wonder if the good hackers stay home just because if they go there knowing that the CIA the FBI the Department of Defense and everybody's they're already there, I don't think, depending on what you've been doing, you might not want to show your face at the conference. True. <laughs> so. um, 
but uh, just because you are not there doesn't mean that you're safe. Um, looking at our next story, it sounds like researchers find insecure BIOS rootkit preloaded in laptops. Yeah, this ha- having to deal with the CompuTrace LoJack for laptops, which is installed in, I believe, in about 60% of laptops fr- made from HP, Dell, Lenovo, Toshiba, Gateway, Asus, and Panasonic. But appara- apparently this is the low jack for whenever you lose your laptop or somebody steals your laptop or whatever and hope and hoping to get your laptop back this will send a signal back to the company uh, CompuTrace and then you should be able to hopefully track the laptop down and get it back well, apparently they use they essentially use a rootkit to do this so that way if you try and reformat a hard drive or whatever it still stays on there Apparently, this rootkit has been found to be a little bit a little bit on the insecure side, so it might not help you that much after all. But yeah, apparently it uh, pings the server periodically just to see if it uh, if there's instructions for it. If uh, uh, if the laptop is stolen, um, the I guess the owner would call Lojack, and they would say, "Okay, well we'll de- deactivate it next time it checks in." Well, apparently the servers it talks to is uh, located in clear text unencrypted uh, on the system, and uh, a third party can change the the talkback server and send its own commands to the laptop. Yeah, this is a little bit scary, but it uh, there's I'm sure the the odds of your laptop getting stolen by somebody who knows about this rootkit that knows how to get in here and change the file and everything so that it doesn't phone home are probably pretty low. So it's probably not something the average person should worry about, but something good to be aware of anyway. Yeah, this actually sounds like something that would be in a plot in the next MI4 movie or something or other. It's uh, It sounds like a lot of work um, just to hack into someone's and have gain access to someone's laptop. Yeah, I mean, personally, if I stole somebody's laptop, and I would never do such a thing, but if I did, I probably wouldn't use the same hard drive just for that purpose. I'd probably swap in my own hard drive, so that way I'm not worried about any viruses or any low-jack stuff or anything else, because apparently this is persistent on the hard drive, not in, like, a chip on the motherboard or anything. No, no, it's persistent in the BIOS. It's just that no. some of the configuration settings are in on the hard drive, and it um, when you have a hard drive in it, it copies out the location to th- uh, the um, the server site location, the IP mm-hmm. address, into three different locations, and the hard drive is just one of those. And so, since it's clear type in on the hard drive, uh, you can change it any if you change it in any of those places. Those those are going to be the servers that are going to be considered valid to receive instructions from. Oh, okay, now I understand that a little bit better then. But, yeah, the odds of this being a real concern for most people isn't that much. And to be honest, I don't think a lot of security issues that we have about different hacks and stuff coming out all the time, I don't think they're anything that the majority of people should really worry about. But it's always something good to be aware of, and depending on how security conscious you are, you can always take measures to protect yourself if you're really that worried about it. 
It's just like the same security in your house. I mean, people can knock down your doors if they try hard enough. Same thing with your computer. Um, but you don't hear of a ton of break-ins, at least percentage-wise, in any significant area. Right. Yeah, I, I think most of the stuff is exploited with holes and windows more than anything. So a lot of it you really don't have to worry too much about. You just have to kind of be careful where you go on the internet and don't trust attachments or anything else. And I think that's, I mean, that's about as good a security as most people need. And just make sure you have your firewalls and antivirus and everything up to date. And really, you don't, most people, the average person doesn't need to really worry past that. Yeah, the CS antivirus, common sense. Yeah, which the antivirus you have to be a little bit careful of. I heard a story about, I think, the CA's antivirus in the past week or two. I guess it was um, flagging some critical Windows files as viruses and stuff and deleting them and essentially hosing everybody's system. So, And that's been known to happen with pretty much all the major antivirus people at one point or another. So you, you kind of have to be careful about that, too. Yeah, I heard even AVG had some problems in which it was flagging iTunes files uh, and disabling those or quarantining those, and then iTunes would stop working for a lot of people. Yeah, that's one of the reasons, to be honest, that I don't run my antivirus every once in a while. I, I mean, I leave it running in the background at all times, and it flags stuff as it comes in, but I never actually... I very rarely run a scan of the complete hard drive just because I don't want to have to worry about any of these issues. But yeah, uh, yeah I, I'm the same here. I do one every two months, maybe, or something like that. Yeah, that's probably about what I do. I mean, I defrag my hard drive more often than I run my virus scanner. But, anyway, uh, let's see, transition to the next story. Can't come up with one. Let's go with the ooh, pirate. Ooh. Oh, go no, ahead. no, no. I would, I would, let me think of one. Let's see. Um, uh, antivirus, anti-pirate. <laughs> uh, the pirate spokesman Peter uh, Sundy resigns. Okay, that that sucks. But anyway, let's move on. <laughs> yeah. Well, this yeah, one. Yeah, yeah, that sucks. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, this one kind of. This story actually kind of surprised me a little bit. Peter Sundy's essentially been the spokesperson of Pirate Bay for I don't know how many years, if not for as long as the Pirate Bay has been around. And he's apparently decided to resign so that he can work on several other projects, including a book. Although, personally, I don't wonder if it has something to do with all the lawsuits and everything and him not wanting to be involved in any future lawsuits since he's already lost one and has a year of prison time waiting for him. Yeah, I think it's the, because their story is becoming harder to tell and harder to spin. Mm-hmm. Uh, with the before they have been pretty much unscathed and uh, had the uh, wherewithal to come from a position of uh, arrogance, and I think since they've suffered the the feet at the hands of the government, um, I think uh, that is becoming harder and harder to do. Yeah, they, they've got a lot of issues. I mean, I don't know if this is really the best time for them, him to necessarily get out, or maybe it is. 
because the Global Gaming Factory is still looking to purchase them by the end of the month or whatever. I think they've actually gotten like another week or two to come up with the money, which last I heard they still don't have. Although I did hear today that they were supposed to be, that assuming they do buy the Pirate Bay, they're going to list it on the NASDAQ, which <laughs> that, that'll that be interesting. Yeah, I don't see that happening. <laughs> Yeah, I, I guess that's just one of their mini plans that nobody knows a whole lot about in terms of details, but it's just out there. Yeah, I, I they barely have enough money to buy uh, the Pirate Bay, and then they want to get listed on the Nasdaq. There's something like there that doesn't make sense. Yeah, it, I don't know. It, this thing, this whole thing, seems kind of stupid and. And then I saw something last week about uh, Napster trying to buy him for $10 million or something like that, which is more than what the Global Gaming Factory is offering, which I think is like $8.7 million or something like that. But Napster has $10 million? Wow, that surprised me, too. <laughs> I didn't have a clue that they had $5, but apparently they do. Yeah, but that's, you know, two bad brands buying each other. I think that would be horrible. Even worse than what we're what, what what's going on now with Pirate Bay trying to go legit. Yeah, I'm assuming the Pirate Bay doesn't get out get bought out, which is my prediction at this point. I'm kind of curious to see who takes over as the spokesperson because Peter's always done a hilarious job. He always mocks everybody, and I think he's the one that usually puts up the le- the um, takedown notices and stuff and sends back mocking responses and everything. So I'm kind of curious to see who they're going to get to replace him. Yeah. Um, I think whoever takes the job is is, um, is coming in a really tough position. Um, I think it's going to be very, very hard to replace him. Yeah. It'll, it'll be interesting to see. I'm, I'm watching the situation very closely. Not that I use the Pirate Bay all that often. I do on occasion, but frankly their search sucks so bad that I only use them if I absolutely have to. Um, well, if you do use them, I hope you don't get caught. Yeah. Well, I take my own precautions for that. But apparently, Joel Tannenbaum, which I would assume that everybody that listens to this or follows Torrent Freak or whatever knows about, but apparently he lost his trial last week after being forced to admit that he downloaded all these songs, and in this particular case, the RIAA was suing him for 30 songs, but he ended up losing, and the jury awarded the RIAA $22,500 for each song, totaling up to $675,000, which I guess that's a little bit better than Jamie Thomas got off with. Yeah, true. Um, it, it sounds like his crack team of lawyers... Um, like Harvard professors even, um, that they felt that, that all their ammunition was was worthless because things got thrown out and totally negated uh, when it actually got to trial. And um, uh, if I read this correctly, Joel pleaded guilty, and he was just trying to, I guess, plead to the jury to get a reduced fine. Yeah, the RIAA was pushing for the $150,000 infringement limit per song which for willful which is what it is which is the upper limit for willful willful infringement 
which mm-hmm. since he's admitted it and everything, that's what they were aiming for, and mm-hmm. they didn't get anywhere near that, which is a good thing. Although at the same time, had they gotten somewhere near that, I'm sure they could have had an appeal for cruel and unusual punishment. True. Yeah, the Supreme Court. Uh, I believe they passed something about uh, like, like I think it says like nine times the original price, or like the the punitive damages can't be more than the actual damages mm-hmm. uh, by nine times or something like that. Um, but I think it's going to be time for, for Joel to file bankruptcy. I mean, there's no way that he can get from under that. Well, I think I heard something about them starting a, a fund to pay for the fine, I believe. But Yeah, there's no fund in the world that's going to raise that kind of cash. Yeah. Well, one of the things about this complete circus, which it has been because his lawyers have been throwing pretty much anything at the wall to try and get it to stick, and, of course, the judge was going for it, which... I have my own issues with the judge from some of the decisions he made, but or I think it was a she, actually. But that's beside the point. Apparently, as far as the damages go, not a penny of it is going to any of the artists. It's all going to the RAA's anti-piracy campaign so that they can sue more people. Yeah, it's going to feed the machine and uh, keep things like this uh, turning away. And they even say that uh, what they spent over a million dollars just on legal fees to prosecute this one case so this they they actually won't be making any money um but this will just defer some of the costs that they spent uh pursuing joel yeah well i'm if any with any luck hopefully they'll keep going with all these things and if they're getting if they're spending that much compared to what they're getting hopefully they'll go bankrupt soon well you've always started you already started seeing uh artist revolt uh, and even labels uh, thinking about leaving the RIAA um, because they don't agree with his actions. As uh, more cases like this become higher and higher profile, I think you're going to start seeing a bigger backlash against the RIAA and uh, really make people aware of what they do and uh, and that this is not looking this they're not acting in the best interest of their. Uh, of who they're representing. Yeah. Well, speaking of high-profile peer-to-peer, apparently there's a congressman that's calling for a ban on peer-to-peer services on all government computers after sensitive data leaks. I kind of agree with this. I I think if you're, you're on a government computer with sensitive documents, you should be restricted about what you can install on that. Yeah. Well, it amazes me is, what was it, a couple, a couple two, three weeks ago or whatever, um, oh, I can't even remember what department it was that was asking Hillary Clinton why they couldn't use Firefox on their computers oh, yeah. instead of IE, yet apparently they can use LimeWire on their computers instead. <laughs> yeah, that is funny. Uh, I mean, yeah, apparently these people aren't computer savvy. Uh, they're un- probably know enough to be, to be dangerous, and that's exactly what they are. Um, but I I, th- I think government computers should be locked down. I mean, they're not there for your enjoyment. I mean, a- as a taxpayer, I rather them whoever use them, they use them for government purposes and not to download uh, songs, movies, or whatever they want for their own entertainment. They should just be working on this those equi- that equipment. Yeah. 
Well, some of the sensitive, there was a lot of sensitive data that was found on the peer-to-peer networks because of this leak. Everything from information for U.S. nuclear facilities to um, the secret hideout for Obama if, like, the White House is under threat or whatever. Right, and his uh, the the plans to his uh, Air what, Marine One, the the helicopter, that was found on on the PP network. Yeah, that one was found on a peer to peer network in Iran, if I remember right. Yeah, and um, there's uh, other information that's found just for general folks, uh, like they said that a lot of soldiers' data and social security numbers and blood types were found. Uh, some high-level corporate executives' PST files were circling around, which gives you know attachments, uh, communication history, uh, their whole co- contact list, and everything about them. Um, it, it, all just floating around the internet. Yeah. Well, one of the things that kind of seems a little dumb to me, and, and yeah, they, this stuff shouldn't be on their computers, but why aren't they blocking this this stuff at the network level? Yeah, it doesn't seem like there's their, their uh, I would say corporate security, but this government security system uh, is is not working too well. Uh, I bet these computers are probably not even on a domain, uh, but they're war grouped, and and so that the the enforcement of policy is going to be a lot harder. Uh, another thing that I disagree with is the call out of LimeWire specifically, uh, instead of uh, just saying, hey, don't install software from unapproved lists on your laptop and uh, just like some you know you brought the example with Hillary Clinton anyone can just install Firefox I guess but someone says it's against the policy but why isn't all third party software against the policy unless it's whitelisted yeah Uh, they certainly need to do more to keep up on their security for stuff like this because stuff like this shouldn't be happening at all yeah, but I mean, uh, it's it's scary how it's going to take an act of Congress to to, to uh, do something about this. Yeah, you'd, you'd think they'd have some middle managers or something that could dictate stuff like this, or at least a halfway decent IT department. Yeah, well, I've always said you can't legislate stupid. Yeah, well, speaking of which, there's a senator that's trying to do that. Yeah, he's trying to ban texting while driving. Uh, they should also ban reading a book while driving. Uh, uh, I actually saw someone eating nachos while driving. Like one hand on the nachos, the other hand in the nachos, and with the with the cheese and everything, and, and driving with their elbows. Can't say that I've done that. I've eaten while driving. I've made phone calls while driving. Right. I've installed games on my laptop while driving. I've, te- I've seen someone eat with a fork while driving. <laughs> Haven't tried that. My um, food experiences are generally just like a hamburger or something like that from Carl's yeah. Jr. But yeah, and food, not uh, not anything that requires utensils. Yeah, I've never done that before. But yeah, I've I've been known to text while driving and stuff, which, to be honest, I actually think that there shouldn't be a law against this. I mean, if you if you're dumb enough to be in a situation where texting while driving is extremely dangerous, and I do believe that the depending on how you text while you drive has a big 
part of is a big part of um, how dangerous it is. And if if you have the phone down by your lap, where you look down and can't see the road at all, that's kind of stupid. But if you have it like sitting on top of the steering wheel, where you can at least use your peripheral vision to see what's going on, that's not quite so bad. But I think that stuff like this should be allowed to happen. That way you get these stupid people that don't know how to text while driving or whatever. They run into a light pole and they don't have a car or whatever. Or they aren't around anymore to do any more stupid things to endanger other people. Yeah, banning text while driving, I don't know if that'll work. Maybe they should just work on I don't know, fines. Just put it under a bucket saying distracted while driving. You know, just like uh, intoxicated uh, public, uh, what do you call it? Uh, driving while intoxicated. Mm-hmm. They should just do driving while under the influence and just put that under this, put this under that category and, uh, you know, uh, controlled substances, uh, texting, whatever you want. Just throw it under that bucket. We don't need more laws. Yeah, this is part of um, Congress and any of the state government's problem is rather than enforce the laws that they already have, they just keep throwing new laws out there. I mean, texting while driving, you could easily file that under, like, careless driving or whatever. You certainly don't need to outlaw it specifically. And if you're going to start outlawing stuff specifically, what about fiddling with the radio? Eating? Right. Reading on your Kindle? I mean, there's there's a million other things. I mean, I'm constantly seeing ladies driving around town that are sitting there putting on their makeup or fixing their hair and whatever else. Yeah, with their rearview mirrors already, like, cocked towards them instead of using it as a rearview mirror. Um, And also, a law like this is not future-proof. What about um, uh, doing life casting while driving? Can you you fire up quick and and do a little uh, video while you're driving? Should that be outlawed, too? Yeah. Well, this, I believe they just passed a law for this here in Colorado that I don't, as far as I know of, the governor was supposed to sign it, and this was like a month or two ago, and I believe I actually talked about it here, but um, I don't think that's supposed to go into effect until December, but supposedly that law covers any textual entry, not just texting, so if you're emailing on your BlackBerry or whatever, although... As far as I know of, you can still, like, check your email and check your text messages on your BlackBerry. You just can't reply to them. Oh, okay. So, incoming's fine. Outgoing is where you have the problem. Yeah, pretty much. And what really gets me is that they have a loophole in the law. If you have a ham radio license, you're exempt from the law. That makes sense. Yeah, doesn't it? (laughs) Well, I guess they says, well, you've been trained to operate machinery sufficiently maybe while driving <laughs> yeah see for stuff like stuff like this we just need more speech to text stuff yeah but that might be out loud yeah i mean yeah whatever just just you can't legislate stupid yeah but but maybe the law is meant to uh prevent people from going to hell yeah actually um one thing there was i believe it was last week on the new york times or maybe it was the week before, they did an article about this. And if you go on their website, they have a little game that you can play. Oh, yeah, I played it. Yeah, that where you have like a six-lane a six lane highway, and you're constantly changing lanes based on what it tells you to change to, 
while you're using the mouse to punch in keys to try and reply to a text and you can find out just how good of a driver you are while texting. How how good of a driver were you while you were texting? That game sucked, <laughs> but uh, if I was going to text and drive, I'd try to stay in my lane, <laughs> not change lanes and text and drive. Yeah, I mean, it's not the most realistic thing, just because you're never on a six-lane highway all by yourself. Right. But, I mean, it, it just kind of gives you a decent idea. And at the end, it'll tell you, like, you missed so many of the gates, or your response time while texting was so much less. In my case, it was four one-hundredths of a second. So, I mean, when I text while I drive, I mean, there's no real delay in my reaction, which I'm a gamer, and gamers have a faster reaction time to stuff like that. There's studies proving that. So, essentially, I by texting while driving... I'm normal like everybody else. Mm-hmm. Well, yeah, I try not to text while I drive, but also I don't drive long distances. Um, so yeah, uh, I know when I drive like two to three hours, like to go to Houston or something like that. There are large stretches of road that I know very well, and there's no one ever on them. And um, I've I just might whip out my phone, but generally my commute. It's so short that I, I, I usually I usually will wait. Yeah, that that's what I do. I mean, I always drive the same route, so I kind of know where I can do it, where I can't, and stuff like that. But usually, I don't have text that important that I need to reply to it while I'm driving. Usually, I try and wait, but there are times when I do it. But, I don't know, it's probably a bad habit, but, I don't know, I just don't see it, for me, as, as that big of a problem, just because I'm better than the average driver anyway based on various simulators and a number of things but anyway at least I'm not committing suicide because I text right that's only if you're on the road by yourself and you go off a cliff I guess (laughs) yeah it seems like uh, the Archbishop uh, Vincent Nichols warned um, that uh all these text messages and being on the internet and email is dehumanizing practices can lead to suicide. Yeah, apparently he thinks that uh, doing stuff like this, texting, emailing, whatever, twittering, basically you don't have the social life that you normally would, which there are numerous studies to show that that's not true. Didn't they say this about TV? Yeah, I believe they've said that about just about anything. Right, and rock and roll will rot your brain? They said that too? Yeah, I'm sure someone's said that along the way too, but I don't know, I generally don't listen to people that don't use logic at all. So... (laughs) Nice one. (laughs) Yeah. That's a good rule to live by. (laughs) Yeah. But apparently, he's worried about, basically, if you do all this, you have no social life, you become depressed, and you kill yourself, essentially. Yeah, and it doesn't sound like he's using this from personal experience. He's not coming from a place that, you know, I fell down this path, and luckily the church was able to help me, or I prayed about it, or I recovered from this. It's just out of... uh, Stupidity. It's hard to say. I would say bigotry. That too. Uh, it, it's just uh, just 
using what uh, what he's heard and to to form an opinion. I mean, this is, this sounds very very bad. Yeah, and it doesn't seem like he used his brain much at all when he came up with this stuff. He's probably one of those people that don't know a whole lot about technology and don't really understand it, so they see it as evil. Yeah, and it's totally not based on anything uh, in the Bible or anything I've heard, so I don't understand how someone can form this opinion with um, either no data to back it up and also without coming from either something some personal experience at all and, and and not even taking it from the Bible, saying that even like a verse where God said, "Thou shall not, you know, abstract themselves from thy own brethren." <laughs> I mean, find something like that. Just don't just come out and just speak it and call it, you know, and call it gospel. I guess is a good way of saying it. Yeah. Until I happen to find "Thou shalt not text" and "Thou shalt not email" in the Bible. I probably won't be listening to you when it comes to something like that. Yeah, I think Jesus would be on Twitter. Yeah, I would assume so. Actually, I think there is somebody who's God on Twitter. Yeah. I don't know about Jesus. Oh, you mean Ashton? Ashton Kutcher? No, I believe there's somebody that has the account God, <laughs> if I remember right. Uh, but Well, I, I, this is sad, and, and this isn't going to be the only one that we see unfortunately there's always going to be luddites out there um yeah and just afraid to either embrace technology or just accept it just let people if you if it's not something you're into fine that's just that's just you but uh just just condemning people who are just different than than you are is just wrong yeah well speaking of stupidity volo media has somehow managed to patent podcasting. Yeah, that's interesting. Um, Because reading the patent, it says basically distributing episodic uh, uh, content is considered podcasting. Um, But I know I've gotten email newsletters like way, way back in the day in the early 90s of hey, here's your here's our bulletin. I would consider that episodic because uh, they would even put volume numbers just like a, a magazine. So would that be considered podcasting? Yeah, well, from the sounds of it, I think they're talking about podcasting and its modern terminology as far as podcasting. They don't specifically say with like RSS and stuff, but it's essentially right. what it's talking about, which I guess they applied for the patent in 2003 um, podcasting was around long before that. Adam Curry and Dave Weiner developed um, the RSS and stuff for podcasting back in 2001. And actually, if you go and listen to last Thursday's No Agenda, let me actually look up the episode number for that. Um, Noagenda.squarespace.com But... Adam Curry, apparently everybody was asking him to comment on this, because apparently Adam Curry never bothered to go and get a patent on it. And, uh, let's see, that show was number 117, it looks like. But anyway, he said that he had had conversations with this guy in the past, and he still has the emails and stuff that they exchanged, that this guy 
didn't have a clue what podcasting was, didn't know anything about it or anything when they were talking about it, and just how big of an idiot this guy that um, has patented it kind of is. And apparently Adam Curry has no desire to go after the guy, but if anybody else wants to, any of the podcasters or whatever, he said he'll give you the emails or whatever so you can go fight it in court and whatever. So apparently he doesn't care too much to fight it himself, but if anybody else wants to pursue it, he has the evidence to show that this guy wasn't the inventor of podcasting and that he didn't even know what it was when it came out. Yeah, uh, he sounds like at least some of the things that I've heard that Willow Media is not looking to prosecute anyone. And so um, we'll just have to see how this plays out. Right now I don't see any malicious intent, but I think think this would be also – this would be very good Mm -hmm. uh, because people seem galvanized around the Apple brand, and Apple was something that was tightly – uh, tightly coupled with iPods and um, podcasting in the beginning, and so I think this will, if this did get out, it would help revamp the patent system that we have right now, and um, and I think it it needs to be fixed, and I think this just is proof that the system is a little bit broken. Yeah, it's certainly a broken system that needs work, but essentially podcasting was around even before um, the modern form of podcasting, which came about from Adam Curry and uh, right. Dave Weiner came around, but it's been around, it was around long before that. Microsoft had their own uh, syndication platform or whatever. Sync and go. I use it. Yeah. And um, I believe Ken Radio being the first group to really use it or the longest running group to or show to use it, they're still on the air daily and I yeah that's how I found Kin Radios through Sync and Go that's how I heard about yeah, them yeah I heard about them from a friend and I still listen to them all the time I, I think that's one of the best shows there is yeah um, I kind of miss Andy uh, being a regular host he didn't travel as much as he did uh, back then um, but it, yeah and someone also point, point out um, Pointcast Pointcast was also uh, they called it push delivery back then, but that was also con- would probably be considered uh, podcasting because when there was a, a a new show or new content, it would be pushed out there. Yeah, I never knew about that at the time to try it out. It wasn't until oh, it's been a couple of years that I've been into podcasting myself, but it was been several years before that that I've been listening to it, mainly to Ken Radio, which is the one I've been listening to the longest, which I highly recommend for anybody that wants to find out technewskenradio.com. Go there. Yeah. Yeah, but I mean, there's some big heavyweights. I mean, like, uh, Volo Media has uh, MSNBC, ABC, Fox News, Slate, Scientific America, Public Radio International, and more. Um, that are under their brand to help with their services, um, but um, there are going to be also very larger, very big brands who won't f- like to be bullied by Volo Media and might feel threatened uh, if they do try to litigate the smaller players. And so, um, I think that also would bring a hell, st- hell storm to them if they decided to actually start charging people for using podcasts. 
Yeah. I think that if somebody tried to challenge this, this patent would fold like a house of cards, probably. Yeah, there's no way it's holding up with prior art. Um, there's not much new, except it's on the internet, so if you're going to rebrand everything that's on the internet, um, then there's a lot of patents, patents to be held. Yeah. Well, speaking of things that you can use to listen to podcasts, and apparently Apple has tried to silence an iPod owner after their iPod exploded. Yeah, this is a, a, a man with an 11-year-old daughter. Um, apparently, um, he, she dropped her iPod mm-hmm. and uh, started hissing. And he took it, threw it outside, and it immediately blew, blew up. And um, he just wanted his money back. And Apple said, well, you got to sign your, uh, your right away to even talk about this, and then we'll give you your money back. Yeah, essentially they wanted to put him under a gag order so that no one would ever find out about this just so they can get a replacement or whatever which kind of makes you wonder how many people are under have had their iPods explode which usually that's from battery issues and are under a gag order because Apple doesn't want them to talk about it yeah they should give him like free iTunes for life or something if he didn't for him to keep quiet not just his money back. I mean, that's <laughs> that's not something that that's something is a given. That's not something you have to negotiate. Yeah, so I, I don't know. When it comes to PR, Apple doesn't seem to do a very good job at stuff like this. Well, I mean, they're the media darling. They could do wrong, and people get amnesia about it. So um, I could see them trying to. You know, keep this going as long as possible. As long as, I mean, look, look how long it's been before some before someone reported this. Yeah. Well, there's been cases of exploding iPods before, but this right. is just kind of the only one that anybody knows of that has to do with a gag order. Yeah, and it's probably going to stay that way because a lot of people are scared. I mean, Apple's a scary company. Um, didn't we have a story where someone committed suicide because they're afraid of Apple? Yeah, well, I don't know. I'm, I'm still not too sh- sure on that story. I mean, was somebody lost a new... Um, a Foxconn employee lost a new... I- a prototype. Yeah, an iPhone yeah. prototype. And shortly after that, he was found having jumped off a building or in my mind, possibly thrown off because supposedly this guy has a history of losing these kind of prototypes from what I've heard. So. Yeah, you fire them, you don't kill them. Yeah. <laughs> Just for the record. Yeah. But yeah, I have I have a feeling that he probably didn't jump off the his or out his window or off his roof or whatever himself. I have, considering how much pressure... It sounded like there was on him with all the investigators and everything. I would guess this probably wasn't a suicide. Right. Rumor has it that Steve Jobs was in country for only 12 hours, and those 12 hours coincided with his death. That I had not heard. Oh, because I just made it up. Oh. I mean, <laughs> but it sounded good, didn't it? <laughs> yeah. 
Yeah, that'd be good. Did you finally see the yeah, first Steve... picture of him last week that anybody's been able to get? He looks a little on the thin side, but he doesn't look too bad. Yeah, I haven't seen it, but I heard that he looks a little gone. But, yeah. I mean, he's recovering. He just needs to get back in the gym. Maybe he needs to eat some red meat. That's what I would suggest. Yeah. Well, being thin-looking like that, I guess that's kind of common for people on the vegan diet, from what I hear. Yeah. But, well, at least uh, being that thin, it wouldn't cost that much to put him in orbit. Yeah. Well, this next story kind of surprises me. Apparently, cat, what are you doing? The cat's walking all over me. I don't know what she's trying to do. But apparently... Put the cat in orbit. Hmm? <laughs> Put the cat in orbit. Yeah. Well, apparently, you can now put your own satellite in orbit for a period of a couple of weeks for only $8,000. The only thing is, it has to be underneath, under a pound. Yeah. Well, um, it says that, that basically it's going to be a giant rocket that's going to have a lot of individual compartments. Um, they call them tube sats. Um, and uh, they'll go and in, go into low Earth Earth orbit, uh, and then decay into the atmosphere and then burn up. Uh, so, um, I guess these are for uh, these aren't not going to be permanent satellites. These are probably just small experiments um, that is going to be accessible to anyone who can come with the cash. Yeah. Well, I think it would be cool to send something like that into space and I'm not real sure but I think that might even be cheaper than the mm, I can't think of the name of the service where you have your ashes shot up to space uh, I know really yeah um, there's been a number of people that have had it done um, oh I think his name was James Duhon that used to be on the original Star Trek he had that done with his ashes if I recall. Mm. And, yeah, I'm not sure how many thousands that takes to send, but this actually might be cheaper and you might get to send up more because with that you only get to send up a little vial or whatever. But, I mean, for a pound, I don't know what you can really send up for a pound that'll actually do you a whole lot of good unless you sent, like, a real tiny camera to take pictures of icebergs for global warming or something like that. Yeah, I I wonder if they're going to have some sort of telemetry hub mm-hmm. on this rocket uh, that you can communicate with, so that you don't, so each one of these one these experiments don't have to have their own uh, communication f- infrastructure to report back uh, um, the results of whatever their experiment is. Um, I mean, that sounds like that that'd be convenient to do it that way. Yeah, it's a cool idea, and it's a cheap price, but it seems to be a little short on details from what it seems to me. I mean, apparently if you pay your 8000 up front or whatever, you'll get to slot it into a particular launch slot. Otherwise, you're just kind of put in line and happen to be launched whenever they get around to it. Yeah, it's amazing of all these little businesses that are uh, coming around the aerospace industry. Um, I, I think we are getting closer and closer to a consumer uh, um, uh, space venture because um, I had I had my doubts about Virgin Galactic, but as I hear more and more of these stories, I th- I think people are getting interested in space again. Yeah, I I really want to go up on Virgin Galactic. 
but I don't have the $200,000 to do it. So if anybody would like to start a Sin PC Nerd 37 to Space Fund, um, yeah, I only need $200,000. Or both of us, and we can do the first podcast from space. Yeah, that would work too. Yeah. Hmm. Um, yeah. My PayPal address is... Uh... <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Speaking of which, there is a good possibility we might be doing our first live podcast at CES. Oh, yeah. I didn't even think about that. Yeah, I... Um, hopefully you'll be there. It sounds like it's a little ways out for you to know for sure yet, although you've put in for your registration or whatever. Yeah, I've already registered. I just need to, uh... Uh, get approval um, for for the time to be there. Usually, I find out mm, mid November or so if I'm going to be going to CES. Yeah, so you still got a little ways off yet for that. But yeah. How how many CESs have you been to? Been to three. Well, this yeah. this one should be my first. I it looks like I will be helping cover it as part of TechV, which you guys can see me writing on there at techv.com. But anyway, I will be uh, there covering it as part of Tech V, but details, I don't know a whole lot on. I guess we're supposed to be having a meeting next week, and hopefully I'll know more then and know exactly what all I can say. But I will be there, and hopefully we'll be able to do a, our first live show from there, too. Yeah, um, I, I would like to, maybe we can we can get Randall back on the show. We can have some live guests. Yeah. Uh, it's it's going to be interesting. That's what I was thinking maybe even record a couple of different shows covering some of the different stuff that there was see what kind of guests we can get I mean I know Randall will be there um, usually people like I Justine is there um, are, are usually there and there's all kinds of other people so hopefully we can have some loaded shows there hopefully ooh speaking of loaded maybe we get Natalie Del Conte that would be nice yeah that'd be awesome yeah, there, there's a lot of people I'd like to have on that I just haven't gotten around to. There's a number of them that I have uh, verbal yeses on that they'd be on the show. I just haven't gotten around that far. But speaking of which, we are at the end of our stories, and you can find all of those at globalgeeknews.com. And if you have any suggestions for guests you'd like to have on the show, you can... Or if you're going to be at CES and you want to be on the yeah, show. Yeah, that too. Um, you can stick that in the comments or shoot me a line at pcnerd37 at globalgeeknews.com or mm, yeah, I guess that's pretty much the best way to do it. You can always send me a tweet. I am pcnerd37 on Twitter. Or you can always pass your ideas along to Wesley who is Wesley83 on Twitter. Yes. And uh, if you want to do it via email you can always uh, uh, contact me at wesley83 at gmail and... I just got on Google Voice, and you can also give me a call at 818-971-9779. Yeah, I just got my Google Voice account last week, but I haven't gotten around to uh, playing with it yet. I got my invite, but I haven't had a chance to do anything with it yet. Uh, have you gotten to use it a whole lot yet? Nope, just played around a little bit. Uh, I've gotten a couple calls on it, but... Uh... Yeah, I'm not actively printing it on business cards as of yet. Yeah, that's something I need to do anyways. I need some business cards. So if anybody has any places that they, online places that they recommend, I've heard places like Vistaprint, I think is what it is, aren't that great of places to go with for business cards. Yeah. 
So. And moo cars are very popular. Okay. So, yeah, if anybody has any suggestions for that, and I nor- don't normally do this, but if anybody has any suggestions for blog for blog post anything you want to hear me talk about, drop me a line on that as well. Yeah, actually ending the show a couple minutes early today, which is a little bit of a surprise. Yeah, well, I guess uh, the little bit the prep we did yesterday kind of made it shorter. Yeah, that helped. Um, which I'm sorry, everybody who was expecting the show on Tuesday morning, like usual, things just happened that where we ended up having to do it on a Wednesday morning, or releasing on a Wednesday morning, recording on a Tuesday night instead. But hopefully next week we'll get back to our normal schedule, provided nothing else happens to come up again. Um, and I guess that's pretty much it for this week, so don't forget to check us out, globalgeeknews.com, and check out the blog while you're there. And that's it. We will see you guys next week. Later. All right, take care.